The 23rd Psalm, just like the Lord's Prayer, is one of the best known passages of scripture in the Bible. Even for those who have no commitment to the kingdom of God, have recited it and have found strength in its words. But sometimes words can be so familiar to us that we tend to take them for granted and can often miss some of the kernels of truth that might be contained therein. Today I want to look at this very familiar psalm and to take just an excerpt which is our focus text this morning. The text read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We're told that he leads us into the path of righteousness, which begs the question, does God have a plan for my life, and if so, how can I know it? As a companion scripture, we recall that the third proverb and the fifth through the sixth verse states, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. The promise that a sovereign God will make our path straight certainly seems to suggest that God does indeed have a plan for our lives and as such a planned path for us to follow. But how can we know this path or better yet, how can we find it? For sure, this is a difficult question. So today I want to talk to you about God's guidance in our lives. And a title for this sermon is quite simply, The Path of Righteousness. The Path of Righteousness. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. Spirit of the living God, we have already invoked and invited your presence. Lord, you have worked through the technology and you have worked through the musicians, Lord, and you have even worked through us in prayer and just preparing ourselves for this moment. Now, Lord, this is the time where we ask you now to speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, through your manservant. Breathe on the preacher and breathe on this message and make them both live. This we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The 23rd Psalm is simple and it is brief. Yet its realistic appeal to human need and its clear assertion of God's care has won for it the highest place of not only the world's recognition but the world's admiration as well. 
The psalm is introduced by the use of the metaphor of a shepherd, which was a common image that was used for religious and political purposes back in the old days. It serves as a very powerful imagery also of the coming Messiah all throughout the Old Testament. The idea of the shepherd caring for the sheep is a familiar yet very poignant imagery. Now the New Testament also confirms the use of this metaphor of the shepherd in identifying the ministerial work of Jesus Christ. The way that Christ cared for the people was emblematic of how a shepherd cares for the sheep. And particularly in the, in the way that the Lord teaches and heals and guides and protects. In addition, we see further use of this metaphor spiritually when we consider that the New Testament talks about the good shepherd as the one who lays down his life for the sheep or the great shepherd as the one who equips the saints and the chief shepherd as the one who will come in glory. So the sheep without question is helpless without the shepherd and the value of the shepherd for the sheep comes into play when the shepherd is around. The psalm is therefore a reflection of the fact that it is God's companionship that transforms every situation that you and I face. But before we get to the meat of what I want to talk about today, we must first grab hold of the use of the metaphor of a shepherd. The psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. This simple yet profound statement establishes the nature of the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd is an expression of dependence. The Lord is my shepherd is a statement of ownership. The Lord is my shepherd is a declaration and an admittance of a personal relationship. Without this acknowledgement of the Lord as my shepherd, first and foremost, it becomes pointless and useless to read the rest of the psalm. Unless you have accepted the role on the authority of the Lord as your shepherd, then as sheep, you will have no other hope for any kind of restoration. For if you are sheep, and the Lord is your shepherd, then when you are hungry, he will provide you with food. When you are thirsty, he will provide you with drink. When you are afraid, he will provide you with comfort. When you feel alone, he provides you with companionship. If you feel out of place, he will give you a sense of belonging. When you are uncertain, he will give you direction. If you are confused, he provides you with clarity. When you are lethargic, he gives you strength. And when you are fearful of life's challenges and fluctuations, the Lord as your shepherd will give you his peace. That is what the shepherd does. But it only comes to the sheep that will acknowledge the Lord 
as their shepherd. You cannot possibly want to claim the benefits of the pasture if you are not a sheep of the shepherd's fold. Now a shepherd does not merely set the sheep off in some general direction. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and guides them along the specific paths that he has chosen. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David went beyond the basic model of a shepherd and his flock to emphasize God's guidance for his people. It reminds us of what the Lord Jesus said about his care for each individual sheep in John the 10th chapter and the third verse when he says, the good shepherd calls his own sheep and he leads them out. So before we move too far into the psalm, get this one thing straight in your head. The Lord is my shepherd. Now reading the first three verses again, let's look at them in context. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What we see here is simply that if the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. And the reason why I shall not want or be in any kind of lack as a sheep is because he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right path. And according to the psalm, everything that keeps me from having any kind of lack or want as a sheep comes down to the fact that it is the Lord as shepherd who is in control. Nowhere in these opening verses of the psalm does it say, I shall not want because I go and lie down in green pastures or I go beside still waters or I restore my soul or I follow the right path. Nowhere in these opening verses is there any mention of the sheep operating on its own accord or even in its own strength. In fact, I believe that if there was any part of this that did not begin with he leads and he guides and he protects. If any part of the psalm did not lead with the he first, then we, you and I, would be in some kind of lack in our lives. We could even rewrite the psalm to read like this. Because the Lord is not my shepherd, I have some wants. I go and I lie down in green pastures and beside still waters, I try to restore my soul, but yet I keep following paths of destruction. My brothers and my sisters, this probably sounds a lot closer to your life. And the reason why this is, is because the Lord is not your shepherd and you are still trying to control and direct your own lives. The paths that we are all on in our lives are filled with much challenges and pain. 
Yet when we read the 23rd Psalm and its reference to the path of righteousness, we easily get the impression that there is a path that if we are fortunate enough to be on it, then our lives will be much easier and we will be experiencing much joy in everyday life and relationships. Who told you that? Where did you get that from? Whether you have made good decisions or whether you have made bad decisions throughout your entire life, I guarantee you, my brothers and sisters, you would still be having trouble and strife in your relentless search for some kind of peace. Listen, let me be clear. The peace in our lives does not come from the absence of trouble. The peace in our lives does not come from the absence of strife and tribulation and trouble. Brothers and sisters, the peace in our lives come from the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not the absence of trouble that brings us peace. It's the presence of Jesus that brings us peace. And you can't have the presence of Jesus and his peace if the Lord is not your shepherd. This brings us true peace. Anything else that tries to give you the impression that it will bring you peace is nothing more than wolf in sheep's clothing. No amount of natural earthly pleasure, whether it's houses or cars, monies or drugs, alcohol, sex, jobs, promotion, man or woman, none of these things could ever satisfy the longing that you feel in your very soul. It is the condition of your soul that you need to look at in order to determine why you may not have the peace you desire. So the question, as we try to understand this path of righteousness, the question is simply this, how is your soul today? Have you ever really thought about that? How is your soul? Now, now I didn't ask you how you're doing. I'm not asking you how you're feeling. I'm not asking are things going well in your life. I'm asking how is your soul? The path of righteousness that David is talking about in this psalm is not whether you have done all the right things or even whether or not you've made all the right decisions or if you have obeyed all of God's commandments. No, 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 no. We have already established that it is not based on anything that you do. The path of righteousness is a trajectory in your life that is solely God-ordained and god directed. It is an exclusive agency of God and there is only one way to get on that path and it is through a healthy soul. You only get on the path of righteousness through a healthy soul. So try as you might, as long as your soul is unhealthy, you will never be on the path of righteousness. So the question then is, pastor, how do we get this healthy soul. Well, there are two leadings, two ways 
to get a healthy soul. These leadings or two things need to happen in sequential order, meaning one before the other. So let me walk you through this. The first thing you need to get a healthy soul is you need spiritual nourishment. That's number one. You need spiritual nourishment. And after you've gotten spiritual nourishment, you need the second thing, which is spiritual restoration. So let's begin with spiritual nourishment. Every one of us can readily admit that we need a new starting point in life. The truth is, many of us, as we were growing up and developing and trying to make sense of the world, fell victim to people who had the responsibility of caring for us. In fact, many of us have been hurt by mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, teachers, sisters, brothers, schoolmates, friends, confidants, church members, and yes, even pastors. And let me take this opportunity right now as a pastor to say to every one of you who have experienced some kind of church hurt, especially from pastors, I apologize. I am sorry that the very agency of God that was designed to care for your healthy soul's development failed you in some way. We are fallen and fallible as leaders in the church. We are. But I believe with all of my heart that even in the midst of our mistakes, God still finds a way to get to you all throughout all of what you're dealing with in life. God finds a way to send the right people with the right words to get to your soul and to care for your soul's health. So I'm taking on the responsibility of apologizing for all those of you who have been hurt by the pastoral leadership of churches, for we have failed you. But... But Christ will never fail you. So, so many people would love a start over or a, or a do over in their lives. But this do over can and is often very difficult for a lot of people. We have been so hurt that we sometimes wonder if there is any way that we're going to be able to get over it. Let alone recover from some of the terrible things that have happened to us and we can't even forgive ourselves. Well, the truth is, brothers and sisters, you can get over it. You can get this do over. You can find a new starting point. And this is the first leading, which we call spiritual nourishment, which is found in the second verse of the 23rd Psalm. Here is what it says. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. <laughs> The text tells us that the shepherd, this same shepherd, he makes, he, he makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. How, how does he do that? Does he go and grab each sheep and forcibly make them lie down in green pastures? Is that what the sheep does? Because the text is clear. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, I'll tell you, that's not what the shepherd is doing. The reason why the sheep is lying down in green pastures is simply because when the sheep finds green pastures, when the sheep finds this grassy meadow, the sheep eats. And as the sheep eats, there is more grass than there are sheep. So the sheep eats nonstop. And then 
the sheep is now fully satisfied that the sheep gets something that we as black folks call the itis. The sheep gets the itis because the sheep has been eating nonstop. And so for the sheep, they have caught lamb itis from eating too much. The green pastures represent the food for the soul. And it is simply the word of God. It is the Lord who is the shepherd that leads us to his word, which is the green pastures. And when you feed on God's word enough, you get to the place where you have Lord-itis and you can rest in him. You find rest in God's word. One who follows the Lord and feeds on his word cannot and does not lack any form of spiritual nourishment, and then you can find rest in him. This is the first step in developing a healthy soul. Many of us are so busy that we do not even take time to stop and eat a healthy meal. We're always on the go, and because of this, we only stop when we have no choice through late evenings or through failing health. We need to pause from all the busyness of our lives and take time to sit and eat, to lie down and to feast on God's word from his green pastures. Then we can rest in him for a little while while he brings nourishment to our souls. Now, after we have found this spiritual nourishment, the second condition in the sequence is spiritual Restoration. The second leading comes from the Lord, which is spiritual restoration, is found in the B part of the second verse. Here's what it says. He leadeth me beside the still waters. <laughs> After the sheep lies down in green pastures, the shepherd then leads them to still waters. This, my brothers and sisters, provides more rest and cleansing. Many of us, you can relate to this, after we eat a lot of food or we eat a meal, what's the one thing you're ready to do in sequence? Take a drink, of course. You eat, the next thing you want to do is you take a drink. This is a refreshing activity that allows for easier digestion of the food. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. So in the very same way, when the sheep has eaten and feasted on the word of God, sometimes you read the word of God and you're eating it and you're feeding on it, but you don't really understand it. Well, guess what? When you drink the water of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now makes it easier to digest the word of God in the very same way that the water or the drink makes it easy for you to digest the food that you have eaten. The Lord is my shepherd leading me beside still waters is letting the Holy Spirit water the word that has now been deposited in your spirit. Water in the Bible always refers to the Holy Spirit and the fact that it is still water means that there is a sense of peace being conveyed here by David. We always say that the Holy Spirit is what? That still small voice and we also say things like still waters run deep. These two sayings drive us 
to the same conclusion that there is depth and knowledge when it comes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So the first two leadings, lying down in green pastures brings spiritual nourishment. But being led beside still waters brings spiritual restoration. Both of these activities in sequence prepares us for the healing and the restoration work of God for our souls. Now when these two things are done, it's not enough. We, we, we got to get to the soul. And I'm going somewhere. So now we need to talk about the reparative presence of God. What do I mean? Many of us, our lives have been broken in so many ways. And before God can even make your soul healthy, hear me church, the Lord has to repair your soul. He has to repair, but he needs something to work with. So he leads you into green pastures. He leads you beside still waters, which prepares him now to repair your soul before he can make your soul healthy. This is why it's the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's work. You can't fix your soul. You can't fix your heart. You can't fix the things that are broken in you. Only the Lord can do this. And guess what? He only does this for his sheep. The shepherd ain't caring for other sheep, but he's caring for you. The soul is the mind, the will, the emotions of a person. The soul of a person is far more complicated than simply telling people, oh, just go read the Bible or, oh, just go pray, which very often is what we tend to do in the church. Someone comes with an issue, just read the Bible. Oh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we tell people, just go pray, just go pray. And repairing the soul is not that easy. And so my brothers and my sisters, you must understand that the psalmist is taking us through a process that requires you to submit first to the shepherd and let the shepherd lead you to the path of righteousness. Again, I'm not minimizing the power of God's word to change your life even if you just go and read the word. I'm not minimizing the power of prayer even if you just go and pray. The truth is the Lord works all things together for the good of those that love him and are the call according to his purpose and where I as a pastor might fail you, Jesus the Lord as your shepherd will never fail you. <laughs> so, so I want to give you a real example of what I mean, an illustration, if I might, as I prepare to close. I'm a, the illustration I heard a while back was, there's a man who has a television, you know those old televisions that had an antenna, and a cat jumped on the antenna, broke the antenna, and he lost the picture that he was watching. The man came into the room and he tried to fix the antenna as much as he could, but the antenna was broken. So he called up the television station and he said, listen, I need you to send me another thousand watts of television power so that my TV can come on. It didn't come on. Then he said, you need to send another 10,000 watts of television power, but the TV still would not come on. Then finally, in a last ditch effort, he says, throw the book at it. Give me the whole book. And the television didn't come on. Why not, brothers and sisters? 
No matter how much power you put into that signal, if your antenna is broken, it makes no difference. And very often that's what we do in the church. We keep throwing all the power, the book, the word of God at you. We throw the whole power at you, thinking that that's what's going to turn your television on, thinking that that's going to give you the good reception that you need. But the truth of the matter is, your antennas are broken. And as your antennas are so broken that they need to be repaired. So when we read that the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures, he leads us beside the still waters, the Lord is simply fixing our antennas so that we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read the text again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Notice the sequence. The Lord is my shepherd, acceptance of his sovereignty. He makes me lie down in green pastures, spiritual nourishment. He leads me beside still waters, spiritual restoration. He restores my soul. He fixes your antenna. And then the Bible says, he leads me in the right path. Did you see that, church? I went through all of that, accepting the Lord's sovereignty, spiritual nourishment, spiritual restoration, soul care, fixing my antenna. All of that had to happen. All of that had to happen before I'm led into the path of righteousness. See, the Lord, he affirms the sheep. The Lord doesn't condemn the sheep. The Lord doesn't blame the sheep, but instead the Lord blesses the sheep. This is what the shepherd does. And once he has done this, he sends you on the path of righteousness. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. Watch this. For his name's sake. I spent a lot of time talking about soul and trying to think about how are we in the church? What is the evidence of God's fruit in our lives? For many of us are so broken that we don't even know if praying and preaching and, and, and reading the Bible and doing all of these things is having any effect on us. But the pivotal thing in the text is where it says he does it for his sake. So it is in the best interest of the shepherd that you be on the path of righteousness. He's not trying to bless you so that you can feel good about yourself. He's blessing you so he can get the glory. Let your light so shine among men that they may what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it means for the Lord's sake. Let your good works and your light and all of the things that you do, all of what, the doing is the righteousness. Righteousness is about good and right behavior, but you can't do good and right behavior with a busted, broken soul. 
And so before you can even work in the service of God, before you can even do the things that are pleasing to God, before you can even petition him as sweet-smelling incense to his nostrils, you need to fix your soul. But you can't fix it, no matter how hard you try. But Jesus says, listen, not only are you broken, but I'm going to become your brokenness. I'm going to become the very thing that is preventing you from having the healthy enough soul so that you can be pleasing in his sight. And Jesus, as not just the good shepherd, but the great shepherd and the chief shepherd, he picked up and took on the brokenness of the very sheep that he has been called to lead just so you can be on his path of righteousness. That's the beauty of the psalm. It's really a process towards the restoration of your soul. No matter how broken you might be or even feel today. That's why we preach. So the question again comes. You know you are not on the path of righteousness. And the reason you are not on the path of righteousness is because your soul is unhealthy. And why is your soul unhealthy? Because it lacks spiritual nourishment and spiritual restoration. So the question then becomes, how is your soul? It's in a pretty bad shape. So what can we do about it, Pastor? Well, the Bible says if you call on his name, that's it. Call on his name. And what did I say in the beginning of this message? You are messed up because the Lord is not your shepherd. So today might be a really good day to make the Lord your shepherd. If you make the Lord your shepherd, then my brothers and my sisters, David says, right? You will what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to be in the Lord's house. I want to be a sheep in his pasture all the time. But it begins by making the Lord my shepherd. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.